This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's going on, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception the Show. Got a great show. Got a special show in front of us here today because for the very first time, Matt. We're bringing on a guest. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I really want to call Zach Miller a guest um, because <laughs> not to not to hype my guy up here, but I am I'm not like sort of sure. I'm not a little bit sure. I'm a hundred percent sure mm. that uh, receptionperception.com, reception perception as most people know it today, um, would have never gotten off the ground as smoothly as it did uh, without the help of Zach Miller randomly comes into my life in an Instagram DM and saves my ass in so many ways. Um, yeah, man, uh, Zach is awesome. I'm glad we're here or uh, he, he's here on the show and I'm glad uh, that we're going to be having this whole big conversation today. Dude, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. High praise from from one of the best in the industry. Yeah, the Instagram DM aspects. It's, uh, it's the way to go, but uh, dude, I've I've loved everything I'm doing. Being first guest on the RP show, it's an absolute honor talking with you guys some fantasy football. So can't think of a better way to spend my night, to be honest with you. But yeah, man, our guy Zach Miller, man, he has been on our ass about talking more dynasty. So of course we bring him in, and we're going to talk some more dynasty here, man. All right, so we got a big show in front of us here today. Um, we're going to hit on Jamar Chase. What's going on there in Cincinnati? How can they not find a way to get my guy Jamar Chase the ball? It don't make no damn sense whatsoever. And then we're going to have a couple rankings debates here. Okay, we're going to talk Marquise Brown. We're going to talk Jalen Waddle as well. Are they too high? Are they too low? Where does Matt have these guys ranked? And what does our guy Zach Miller uh, think about those rankings as well? Okay, we're going to talk Brees Hall too. We've got to talk about Brees Hall. We're talking about Dynasty. we got to talk about these rookie running backs, man. Brees Hall, Damian Pierce, certainly on the docket for today. But can we start in Carolina? Let's talk about Matt Rule. Matt Rule getting fired this AM. All right, so instant reaction here, Matt. DJ Moore... Um, and CMC, certainly the two most fantasy relevant names, the, the two most relevant names on the offensive side of the football, your kind of thought process when Matt rule got fired there. And what does it mean uh, for their production moving forward? You know, it almost felt like a mercy firing at this point by David Tepper, because (laughs) this thing was over. I think you could argue that it was probably over a long, long time ago. Um, if you really want to do like the alternate timeline thing here for a second, guys, Okay. Does it does it get this bad? I mean, and, and we're talking about rotten to the freaking core with the Carolina Panthers and that ecosystem right now at this point. You know, Baker Mayfield playing like the stone worst quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, really nothing going on on offense. Does it ever get this bad if they just like kind of stuck with Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Brady? I, I would argue that it, it wouldn't because, you know, it wasn't that that long ago 
that Teddy was getting uh, Curtis Samuel to a thousand total yards. Obviously, got to lead off with Curtis Samuel. DJ Moore to a thousand yards. <laughs> Robbie Anderson at a thousand yards. I know. In, in 2020, so um, wild as it is. This thing went really bad really quickly. You know, it was never going to work with Matt Rule. So, um, you know, you get it out of the way at this point, and now they'll sort of kind of try to, you know, start the search now, basically. You know, I know that David Tepper said, you know, go for it. No, I was going to say, I'll jump on top of that and also say in that alternate universe, I would feel so much better about Carolina right now if Joe Brady was the head coach. Um, and with Matt rule completely out of the way, no say in the offense whatsoever, let Joe Brady, let this thing run <laughs> like that. Yeah. I w- so it's very, you're, you're right. That would be very interesting if they had just stuck to their guns there and kept Teddy B, um, and Joe Brady. But, uh, but Zach, what are your thoughts there on those, uh, on those two pass ca- or excuse me, the, the pass catcher, uh, and the running back in DJ Moore and CMC. Yeah, I mean, he is nailing it. I mean, basically Matt rule had to come into the season and just not embarrass his team to keep his job. And I mean, that's, that's what he did, right? He em- played some embarrassing football. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard right. to think of DJ Moore being in a worse spot. So I, uh, I'm with you on there where like, you've got someone else running the offense. Maybe can you get him in some spots to catch the ball that aren't just so tight, but I mean, you've got Baker Mayfield, what came out today, high ankle sprain out for at least a couple weeks. The news around the block is that Sam Darnold's still not ready to go. So we got PJ Walker coming back in, oh, making boy. some plays in the offense. But, you know, he's he's had a good rapport with DJ Moore before. Who's to say that he can at least give him some life now? Um, I think that's the hope, right? You hope it can't get worse for DJ Moore. We've seen a lot of good things from him. So I, I like the idea of buying young players, but... I'm terrified, man. I'm absolutely terrified to buy into anybody on this Panthers team right now. And here's the deal, man. Zach is right to talk about like, okay, if this thing is going to get better, the hope is that PJ Walker, at least for the rest of 2022, and you know, maybe even Sam Darnold when he gets back, as bad as that is to say, I mean, Sam Darnold compared like in the first three, four weeks of 2021, like to Baker Mayfield this year, it's not even close, like in terms of who is better, because I... I started even riffing about it at the before we started taping the show. I had to dial it back in because I'm I'm so irritated about this. These these hucksters out there, these these hucksters uh, peddlers, <laughs> wow. snake oil salesmen, trying to you know to conjure hucksters. up these tra- these trade destinations for DJ Moore. I let me maybe maybe this is just like a person deep inside me who has been. You know, way too scorned by like, oh man, Allen Robinson's got to get out of Chicago. He got to get himself traded somewhere. Oh, Terry McLaurin, he's got to get himself traded out of Washington. It's not going to happen. Okay, DJ Moore is not getting traded somewhere in the middle of the season. You can you can clip this out. Tim can edit the video, clip this thing out if I'm wrong, oh because he's God. not getting traded in the middle of the season. DJ Moore just signed a new contract this off season, and like for a Panthers team that probably should want to consider you know we know who David Tepper is he's gonna first and foremost I don't think he'll get one but he'll probably try to attract a big fish right like I'm sure he's already got a call into Sean Payton and Sean Payton's agent right they want (laughs) to not make this thing look like a total disaster from a roster standpoint um DJ Moore just signs a new contract he's one of their good young players and this is also not a team like from a book standpoint that looks like a rebuilding operation, the Panthers are third to the bottom in terms of cap space for next year. And I'm sure that trading DJ Moore would incur a bunch of dead cap charges for a team that really can't afford it. By the way, it is ironic that the other two teams at the basement there, New Orleans saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFC South is in debt, baby. Um, So (laughs) 
I wouldn't go getting your hopes up about about DJ Moore getting traded. Maybe CMC is a, sep- a separate conversation, but the rest of like you know my my whole Twitter timeline at points felt like it was trying to get a Panthers receiver traded out of there. DJ Moore is their only good player. I mean, maybe Robbie Anderson still has something. The rest of these guys are total goofballs. Give me a break here, like trying to trying to salvage this Panthers situation. It is what it is. It really is sad too, because like you know, th- their their defense actually could be really good. You know, I think they've got some real athletes and some real playmakers on the defensive side of the football. And then offensively, I I hear what you're saying in regards to the overall landscape of it all. You know, um, if you have D, if you got DJ Moore, you've got CMC, you've got some decent building blocks right there. You know, um, I'm not saying they're like a quarterback away or something, but you know what? They're like a quarterback away from like a playoff berth. You know what I'm saying? That's how bad. That's how badly this team has been run. Uh, but I really believe in their defensive on the defensive side of the football. They've got some real playmakers there. Um, but yeah, no. Hey, listen, it is always. I don't care, Matt. You could be the old man yelling at this guy. I don't care. I'm not going to be that dude. I love thinking about these like what if trades. Like I love thinking about got good players going to better teams, dude. Forget these dumpster fire franchises that like are hanging on to good players. Like, no, nah, I don't care about that, man. Like, give Hope me is DJ poison. Moore. Hope is poison, <laughs> Japes. Hope yeah, is poison, James. Hope I'm is poison. I'm one of those guys. I can't. Like I was on you. I was on the timeline this morning. Since I was like, if the Packers don't go out and at least make an offer for DJ Moore, oh. they're doing themselves a disservice. But it's not going to happen Zach. because no team trades less than the Packers unless yeah. they're sending away good players and they don't have the money. So like, what? What possibly? Like uh, you see the stuff about Christian McCaffrey. You see that that's. But like, are you going to get rid of two players under the age of 25 years old? Do you think you're that far away from competing that you're like? ready to just shell out your offense basically yeah zach i was i was once like you you know full head of hair young (laughs) optimistic you you know think thinking that uh think it thinking that uh the packers were going to trade for a star receiver nah man that that'll never happen um but to your to your point though I, i do think the mccaffrey situation might be a different conversation because just because of the position he plays um you know we know the bills inquired about him in the off season and and Rumors are that he they're they're calling. I don't know if it's true or not, but people have said that the the Bills have put in a call again. Um, it would be kind of. Cr- I mean, the Bills are in that window where they could probably you know like write it off on their taxes right at this point. That okay, we yeah. we, we traded we we just drafted a running back on the second day of the NFL draft. Yeah, uh, we just <laughs> so but whatever. Who cares? And it was basically just for to be like a light beer version of Christian McCaffrey is what they got James Cook uh, for. But you know they could they could write that off, but. I think his contract makes him, you know, yeah, pretty tough, pretty tough asset to trade there uh, for Christian McCaffrey. So I bet he played. And another thing too, how many teams right now, just from this is like a big picture view, how many rebuilding teams out there right now really want to do like the Sashi Brown thing, like tear the roster down to the studs, you know, burn it all to the ground and just get just a bunch get of draft picks. picks. But yeah, look at look at that's I mean, all it, you do. Just get picks. Don't even don't even make the picks. Just get more picks. You know, that's exactly. What, that's look look how that turned it. out. Look how that turned out for the Browns. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, a team like Buffalo, they did. They didn't tear it down to the studs, but they did shed a bunch of salary cap space and incur a bunch of dead money. But they still competed for a playoff spot with Tyrod. The the, the damn Giants right now, they're they were tearing it down from a salary perspective but they're four and one. They're not embarrassing in the meantime. And I, I think that's the thing that a lot of these teams don't want to get outright embarrassed, you know, um, when they're out there on the field. And that's why DJ Moore will stay with the Panthers and Chris McCaffrey probably stays with the Panthers too. 
<laughs> First of all, I want to know, like, what, what side of the damn bed did you wake up on today? You're throwing out terms like huckster and and snake oil salesman. Like, bro, you're you're pulling out word, like phrases from the 1920s. Like, like what is happening here? Playing a little Red Dead Redemption oh this morning. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh I wish. God. I, I wish I was. I, I wish I was. Uh, God, oh I, that was God. like my favorite game back when I played video games. But you guys know this. Uh, I have a <laughs> what what I've called over the years a complicated relationship with the Carolina Panthers. So perhaps <laughs> true because because we're intersecting Panthers talk with you know wide receiver hope. Like these guys, like DJ Moore getting salvaged. Like perhaps it's these two topics so close and painful to the heart that that I feel this way. But this yeah. is how I feel about it, and I, I think it's best that other folks don't get their hopes up. <laughs> spoken like by the way spoken like a true truly spurned fan where you're like if i can't have any happiness i don't want anybody else to have any happiness either you know everyone else could be depressed with me that's um right. that's what i that's what i love about it but uh interesting setup there in carolina right now uh you've got steve wilkes who is a former head coach is now the head coach now and then they've also had a former head coach as their offensive coordinator so it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, you know, it's not like they're, it's not like they're going to be managed from, from now to the end of the season by people who don't know what they're doing. Do you know what I'm saying? So like that for me is, is interesting. It's not like they go from Matt rule to some freaking like tight ends coach. Who's like never, ever managed uh, people before, you know? So I don't know. I think, I think from that angle, actually um, it is interesting. And I do wonder by the way, but because of that, do these guys elevate their game because the vibes in Carolina were just horrific, you know? Um, And it's like, you know, it's like that old, what is it? The Dion saying, right? Like look good, feel good, feel good, play good. Like we'll take the look good part out of it, but just like the feel good, play good part is like, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Um, So I just, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what will happen with DJ Moore. Um, Okay. Back to the dynasty discussion though. Um, Matt, I want to pick your brain on this. Okay. So DJ Moore, 25 years old or whatever it is, uh, who knows who the head coach is going to be. Um, you know who the ownership group is there with David Tepper, uh, and you look at the, the roster overall. Okay. So now how does, you know, the Matt rule, you know, firing, how does that impact where you kind of have DJ Moore? Where do you have DJ Moore right now in dynasty? Yeah, I think I bumped him down in my latest, um, in my latest updates, but here, I think uh, 26 is where you have him right now. Look at that. Um, Zach. No, Zach. Of course I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Zach knows better than me. That's a, that's good. Um, But yeah. So I I do think obviously things will get better in Carolina. Like the good news is they, um, and I mean, they can't, they literally can't get worse from a quarterback perspective, right? Like I've said many times, Baker Mayfield, the stone worst quarterback in the NFL this year by any measure. Um, Even just the good old fashioned watch of the games test. I mean, Baker Mayfield double clutches, ain't nothing good coming after that. Um, But you know, they'll, they'll probably be in position to get a young quarterback this year. But um, I do think it's worth having a conversation about DJ Moore, like, DJ Moore is good. The, DJ Moore is good, but how good is DJ Moore? Okay, I think that's a question worth mm-hmm. having. Like, I think he, I we're also we were many years into his career at this point. He he was right. drafted in 2018. Like, we know who DJ Moore is, and there's obviously a further unlocking of his skill set that's been that then has been unlocked in Carolina so far. But I think the most likely situation for 
DJ Moore is that he is paired with the rookie quarterback that they draft really highly next year. It kind of sort of takes at least a couple years for a quarterback to be able to be able to be like a talent elevating player, unless they get like a, a great prospect. And even then, like, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been good, but he was supposed to be like the next, he's been fine. Like, but he's, he was supposed to be the next guy, like the next Andrew Luck. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily, I mean, he's made like guys like Zay Jones relevant, but, you know, still not like necessarily taking things to the next level there. It's just a bit, obviously the draft is a crapshoot, but my point about DJ Moore, um, like, yeah, I think if DJ Moore was going to be paired with Aaron Rodgers or something like that for the next two, three years, I, I'd be willing to be really excited. But right. I think that DJ Moore has leveled off at this point as a good, not great number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's probably why a part of the reason why we haven't seen him take that jump into the elite tier beyond the fact that he's also been paired with some real goofball quarterbacks. Uh, You know, a podcast is official when Matt Hardman drops goofball quarterback. I love it. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Um, hey, you know who is not a good fall? It's Brees Hall, man. Um, and we've got the perfect guy to, to bring on to this podcast. We're talking about Brees Hall, let me tell you right now. 18 carries, 97 yards on the ground. Uh, two, two receptions. Two receptions for 100 yards. My dude almost dropped the two-hundo spot. Uh, Brees Hall did against Miami. 69% of the snaps there in week number five. It's increased every single week since week number two when he played just 27% of the snaps. A lot of hand-wringing in the fantasy streets. Let me tell you, I was extremely worried after week two. I'm like, oh my God, is Michael Carter really going to be the guy rest of the year? No. Brees Hall has exploded onto the scene and now 4.9 yards per carry on the season too. He's doing it with efficiency despite there being offensive line concerns, offensive concerns. Is he going to get the ball? Doesn't matter. Brees Hall has been doing the damn thing. Double-digit PPR points every single week. It absolutely went crazy, Zach Miller, there in week number five. You absolutely love it. And not to mention, let's talk about two vultured touchdowns too. which I know. Pacing in my living room. You mean you can... That's my girlfriend. I was furious. I can't imagine a, <laughs> a, a, a weirder goal line back than Michael Carter. But that's what it seems to be what the Jets are saying. But yeah, Matt, if you Brees didn't think Hall I was on gonna... the Brees Hall on the field for those plays too made it even I, better. I feel just like. sitting there, just sitting there, like no, no, Michael <laughs> Carter. So he could have dropped a forty bomb, and I think that's even a bigger statement. But it was there. Like he could. I think yeah. that's an important thing. He could have dropped the forty bomb. Like it was well into his reign and. If you don't think I'm taking my first my first podcast appearance to get an apology from that that Yahoo <laughs> podcast slander, 
<laughs> name ringing out there telling me to come back to reality. There's no sweeter, yes. no sweeter song there than Brees Hall blowing up week oh five. It was, uh, it was beautiful. No, he's a dude. He's an absolute monster. I mean, he's got everything you you want. I think I think he's shown a lot in the receiving chops that almost kind of surprised me this year because that was a bit of the role that we were questioning. Like, is Michael Carter going to stay in on these third downs and? You've talked about it a couple times. They're using him as not just a check down back. He's seeing targets down the field. You saw it in week five. You saw that 79-yard catch and run where, I mean, he caught the ball 15, 20 yards down the field. Like, he's being used as a, a receiving threat. Zach Wilson is, I think, checking down a little more than I thought he did. I thought maybe those targets would kind of disappear once we saw old man Flacco take, <laughs> take a step away. But, no, I right. mean – you're you're starting to see that usage of him up in the 69-70%. That's you don't you see that from some RB1s on some teams. And most teams are split backfields now, a 70% share of the back. Big. That's that's elite Huge. usage. I mean, there's I mean, obviously you've got Saquon Barkley who's carrying every second in the play, but like right. for most other running backs, it's a bit of a timeshare. If you've got someone with the talent of Brees Hall, I think um I mean, I'm I'm spending up. If I'm in I I made a dynasty trade the other day by force. I love Javonta Williams, but sitting there competing, um, was able to make a move from Javante to Brees Hall to a little bit less competing team, and I'm fine with that. I think he's one of the best there is right now in the NFL. And in dynasty, running backs got to be young, so I'm I'm comfortable ranking like top five in dynasty running backs and. This season he's coming up too, so you've got the immediate production, and then you've got the long term production too. I I like it a lot. I would think, uh, Matt, before I before you jump in, I would think that <clears throat> Brees Hall, if we did a dynasty redraft um, today, Brees Hall's got to go one, right? Like who are you taking above him? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Who are you taking above him? You know, it's like P- George Pickens, Damian Pierce. Like nah, n- like no. You want a young, explosive running back. Brees Hall's got to go one overall um, if we're doing a dynasty redraft uh, today. But, Matt, go ahead. No, I, I think you could advocate for Drake London, um, but I, I, think the, I think the answer is probably Brees Hall. And, you know, to be fair, you know, I don't want to be painted as some kind of Brees Hall hater. I would have taken him <laughs> 1.1 in any rookie go. draft back, at the, back in the day uh, when those were happening. You know, I, I agree with you that in any sort of, yeah, obviously, like revisionist history with hindsight, for sure he should go 101, even though I do think there's a conversation with Drake London. But yeah, no, um, little, actually, Zach, ever since uh, I went on the Yahoo podcast and, and slandered you, um, by the way, was mostly was mostly uh, pointing out that like it was a very strange knit to pick and like, you know, blowing up the not that you knew this, but blowing up my phone like as I'm, I'm going to dinner with my wife about you got to be breaking Brees Hall over Damian Pierce. What's wrong with you? And I'm like. Hey, hey, come back to what come back to reality. It's they're in the same tier. The point of the tiers is to not fight me when they're in the same tier. Yes, but exactly. It, pretty right. much ever since pretty much ever since Zach, you know, advocated for I'll, I'll call it advocating advocated for Brees Hall um, yeah. in that way. I've started to pay more attention and I, I I've been trying to get people to care about this in in my Yahoo columns on the on the Yahoo podcast. Like this guy's air yards per target numbers are insane he's he's at 5.3 right now i started geeking out about it two weeks ago when he was at like 4.4.04 in air yards per target which i know that doesn't sound like much but for running backs that is insane the only guy that ever is even close like even in the neighborhood the zip code of five air yards per target 
it, since like 2015 is prime David Johnson, who I think his career average wow. is like three is like 3.4. So, and and Brees Hall keeps going up, right? It was at 4.0. I, I have this like memorized, right? He was at 4.04 um, when, when before Zach Wilson got in there, he went up that next week and now he's he's over five so and you saw it last week that was the big play against the Miami Dolphins I mean two catches 100 yards it's it's insane what he's doing right now from a receiving perspective um and and it's just really honestly the Jets are so loaded with talent that it's almost it's almost a problem for Garrett Wilson for Elijah Moore that like they still have Corey Davis they still have now they have this great receiving back and even Michael Carter is not a zero as a receiver so um we just really need Zach Wilson to like, he, he's got to take that leap at some point and start elevating all these guys. But yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, I submit Zach. I, I, I should, I should have never been so hard on you about the Brees Hall text. Hey, you know, what's crazy. You, you talk about those air yards, Matt. And it's like, of course, when you think of receiving backs, one of the elite receiving backs in the NFL, Austin Eckler, your, your co-host on the Yahoo pod. But, um, Eckler, for example, his a dot is negative 1.48. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's and it's because like yeah they actually still do run him out routes as well right like they can move him around the the football field um but a lot of what he gets is obviously behind the line of scrimmage you know so yeah. uh, and that's what most running backs run you know um but you're right they're they're moving Brees around almost as if he's like I mean dare I say like a almost like a Debo almost you know it's like a like this big bodied guy that they just want to get in space. And if you're downfield, go ahead. You know what I mean? So uh, it's interesting usage for Brees, man. And it is really, I mean, it's exciting. It is really, really exciting um, to see what's going on there. Yeah, it is. By the way, just for context for listeners, because I know geeking out about air yards per target for, for running backs, it, it might seem weird. James is right. I mean, even just to be in the positives, is absurd there are only 10 running backs that are over 1.0 air yards per target there's only three that are over two one of them weirdly enough is Samaje Pirine but oh my god the Bengals and he also doesn't have like a ton a ton of targets but right. you know um Travis Etienne's at 2.6 the great Alvin Kamara is number four at 1.7 and and like 1.7 for running back's like wow that's a lot so yeah it's, it's nuts what Brees Hall's doing right now are you expecting that to I mean like no one can be expecting no, it to yeah. stay at five but like just like I think like what you're saying is like in terms of like what type of usage that means, and James mentioned, they're making an active effort to get the ball in his hands in like real scenarios and not just handing it off up the gut eight times a game. They want him in space and that's what you want in a player. I got to be hundred percent honest with you. I'm actually surprised by the creativity of the Jets offense. Like I'm like shocked. I really am. You know, it's like you look at Robert Sala and you're thinking, okay, this guy's like, you know, he's like, you know, chewing on screwdrivers for breakfast or whatever, you know? And <laughs> it's like, I don't know what it is, man, but this offense is a little bit more creative than I was. Anticipating. I like Mike LaFleur. I like Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. I mean, there's another LaFleur, another, you know, Shanahan offshoot, uh, the, the whole thing. It, it's, it's everywhere. Right. But yeah, no, I think Mike LaFleur even did a really good job last year. Um, as, as a play caller, as a play designer, he just was wor- working with a really, really raw rookie quarterback that talk about goofballs. Like Zach Wilson was throwing us some real goofballs last year <laughs> at certain points. So um, yeah. it, there's, there's guys here, man. And there's a good uh, offensive ecosystem. We just, Zach Wilson just got to take that next step and then hopefully we'll get there. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Houston's running back, uh, Damian Pierce. I mean, just running hard, boy. <laughs> Let me tell you, he's, he's got some like beast mode-ish type runs. 
uh, in his arsenal right now. Just an angry runner every single time. 26 carries, 99 yards on the ground. Added a touchdown there as well. Um, very interesting. I actually saw five targets out of the backfield as well. Good for three receptions and 14 yards there. All right, Zach, we'll start with you there. Um, Damian Pierce, where do you kind of, you know, again, have him from a from a dynasty perspective? I've been saying all offseason, it's like, you know how we've been playing that that stupid game or you've seen on social media of uh, he's a 10, but, or she's a 10, but, you know, dot, 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 right? Like Damian Pierce is a 10, but he plays on the Texans, dude. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, where, where what are we feeling about Damian Pierce right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the point. If he wasn't on the Texans, he's going to be in the RB1 conversation for the dynasty. But, I mean, yeah, you've got a player that didn't have, like, really the highest draft capital. He's not really a receiving running back, but he's coming in here and he's doing it. He's he's basically taking over that backfield. I know there was a lot of, like, Rex Burkhead fears, but... Oh, my God. Good Lord. Like, I couldn't imagine a player like Rex Burkhead keeping a Damian Pierce off the field for much longer than a couple weeks. So that was kind of the window... I think in I think in Dynasty right now might be the worst time to go out and buy Damian Pierce. You have him coming mm-hmm. into just an honest to God full workload coming off some monster weeks. But if there's anybody in in a Dynasty league you're in that's not valuing Pierce as a multi year option, like go in and get him because I I I think him. I mean you've got I think him, Ramondi Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, all of those guys are kind of in the same tier for me. And I'd almost rather just take the youth. Like if you've got a a Josh Jacobs owner, you're willing to make that swap for? I'd I'd take uh, Damian Pierce any day of the week over him. I mean, you've got neither of the offenses are really scoring a ton of touchdowns right now, and he's getting the lion's share of the carries. I doubt they spend a high draft pick on a running back next year. They're obviously probably going to be in the market for a quarterback in that area. Right. So, I think you have a player that, I mean, the the Texans still seem to move the ball okay right yeah. this season. So 100%. you're gonna. You're going to get some touchdowns out of him. He's getting 20, 30 carries a game. Like you're, you're looking at a, like a mid range RB two easily with RB one upside every week. I, I like him. I love, I love running, running backs. I think, uh, your, your co host on Yahoo, Dalton Del Don, um, kind of says it perfectly. Like you, you're, you got to look at youth in the running back age. So if you're making that swap, I think Damian Pierce is a great buy. He was a huge value coming into the season in dynasty. People got him so late and then. Mm. taking over that backfield i like it like if you're switching players around i think damian pierce is in that like mid-20s in dynasty rankings and any of that mid-20s can kind of get a little like murky for dynasty rankings for running backs but i think he's probably the best bet in that range I and mean, you don't have much left in leonard fournette and there are plenty of people that would still probably make that swap with you to damian pierce i i'd be taking him every every time i could yeah i think what's really important for damian pierce is that well, number one, he's a really good runner. He's fifth in the NFL right now in yards after contact per attempt. Like he's been, he just runs really well. Um, but he's really iced Rex Burkhead completely out of like the pass, not completely out of the passing down role, but he's taken that leap ahead of him. Um, over since week three, he's run forty one routes to thirty nine routes for Rex Burkhead, and the gap keeps kind of closing there, <laughs> just in that range again. Three hundred ten total yards uh, for Damian Pierce, twenty four for Rex Burkhead. So that's pretty <laughs> crucial, um, you know, for, for, for Damian Pierce. And I guess the question Zach is always like, what, what, what is the risk level of like a guy who, you know, cause, cause dynasty players tend to stick to like draft capital and tend to stick to, yeah. to that type of stuff. Like, I guess there's always the worry that, um, you know, the Texans 
it's kind of like with the Michael Carter, right? Like Michael Carter's like, oh yeah, you're looking pretty good for day three running back. Oh damn, Jets take a uh, Brees Hall in the second <laughs> round, and like <laughs> not looking so great for Michael Carter right. right now. I guess in theory that could be a thing that happens to Damian <clears throat> Pierce, but I'm with you that you know this is a team that is rebuilding. A team that they're they're a team that did have to tear it down to the studs. Unlike what we were talking about with the Carolina Panthers earlier, um, it would be kind of crazy to one position they hit on to just nix that guy and usurp him or whatever. But I guess again, this you could say the same thing about Michael Carter. Right. It's a, it's for sure possible. I mean, there's a lot of running backs coming out next year. I don't think I'd be comfortable sending an a high tier twenty three first for him. Um, just because there's there's so much talent in next year's draft that I, I don't think I value him in that range. There's plenty of running backs I'm willing to send future picks for. I think they tend to get a little overvalued in Dynasty, but I, I don't think he's one of them because of that fear. You know, like there is always the chance. I mean, they have plenty of other positions on the roster that they need to fill. And I think that's why I'm a little more comfortable with him. Obviously, running backs a little more replaceable, but he's been great. If he'd just been like average, you know, like you you watched Tyler Algier running the other day. Like he's yeah. fine. He's not, he's not blowing anything away, but like Damian Pierce is le- leading the rookie running backs in rushing yards this year. Like he's not just like, he's playing great. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that gives me a little more confident based off his draft capital that they might keep him around for at least another year. Maybe they add a complimentary back to do a little more of the receiving chops, but I'm still fine with him. I have a little bit more confidence than I do with some of those other maybe like day two, day three type picks. So, you know, I think for me, you know, when I take a look at Damian Pierce, there's a, one, a couple red flags. Um, one is what Matt talked about the draft capital. Right. Um, and also in today's NFL, you just, that you just, that's not what you do like next year, but trust me, they're getting a running back. I don't know if it's going to be in the draft or in free agency, but they're getting a running back. You know, they're not going to say, Hey, it's going to be Damian Pierce and some guy who just is like a practice squad guy. That's just not what NFL teams do. You know, uh, there's going to be, they're going to either bring in a veteran, like an aging veteran that people are going to be worried about, um, you know, or, or they'll draft somebody again late that I'm sure dynasty community and, and, you know, drafters will get super hyped up about for whatever reason. He's an ex Elijah Mitchell. Always, always an ex Elijah Mitchell, (laughs) no matter what, you know? And, and the thing for me, it's like, all right, so you you know, there's going to, it's going to get murky um, there in Houston and still, they're still very far away from being a good offense. Um, So that, that, that is one thing, man, just from like a visual standpoint too, the reason beast mode, and I bring this up, you know, in the intro to Damian Pierce, the reason beast mode was beast mode was because he was able to run that style for a good four years, five years, and was durable as all hell. I just am not sure. The running style that Damian Pierce has is extremely violent. It's a lot of fun to watch, but in today's NFL, I'm just... I'm just saying, I'm, I, I have some concerns with how hard he just does not shy away from contact ever. He <laughs> looks for it. He loves it. And we love him for it early on. But I'm just saying, you know, two years down the road, what does that look like, man? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah. that would just be my concern. One of the concerns. And then my other red flag, too. It's the pass catching. Um, right. Doesn't totally look like a natural pass catcher. Um, obviously he's done pretty well, um, to, to start his career. He only has two, you know, two incomplete passes thrown his way. 
um, out of the what 11, 13, 14, out of the 15 targets he's got, he's got 13 catches, right? Um, but a lot of them are easy little check downs. But overall, I, I would think that they would look for uh, somebody who could be a pass catching option there in Houston as well. Those are my only two things. But man, let me just say in 2022, I, I do love watching him run. But um, yeah, I do, I, I think I would be remiss in saying if I didn't have some concern for future injury just because of the position group and because of his running style. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Okay, so Jamar Chase and the Bengals. He got the targets, 12 targets, but was only able to turn that into seven receptions in 50 yards against a Baltimore team that's been getting dashed against a Baltimore team that he himself absolutely annihilated last year. We're talking about Jamar um, and Joe Burrow. I just don't know what's going on with this Bengals offense. It, Matt, it can't simply be that teams are using a too high shell and saying, uh, and, and the Bengals can't figure out how to break that. It can't be that simple, can it? Uh, no, I don't think it's that simple. I thought Joe Burrow's comments after the game, it was kind of funny. Like, you know, uh, they, Hey, what do you want me to do? They're playing a bunch of zone coverage. It's like, Oh, everybody is playing a bunch of zone coverage, Joe. Like that's, that's the league right now. Um, I think, I think the Bengals are really struggling to figure it out, to figure it out. But I think you could say that probably about 15 teams right now. They're still trying to figure out kind of like a middle ground between the offense that they were last year, which was so aggressive in the vertical passing game and so hot in the vertical passing game to what we saw last night. I mean, last night was pathetic. Joe Burrow dead last in yards, air yards per attempt, um, you know, wasn't getting pressured like pressures per drop back. Right. Looking great, but not good when because you're only you're getting rid of that thing so quick. You're checking it down. You know, they're trying to get Jamar Chase loose in some screen game stuff. Um, I think I think the biggest problem, guys, is that the entire Bengals offense was sort of built around this idea of we have two number one alpha receivers in Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Good luck trying to stop that. And I think the way that T Higgins has been dealing with injuries and also the way teams have been playing Jamar Chase, where they are hard doubling a guy like Jamar Chase over there, you know, safety shaded one way and a first set of eyes is the cornerback position right there. And, and the Bengals, I think have still just been running them on a ton of go routes. It's like you basically icing Jamar Chase out of the game yourself. So I think the Bengals are basically, they're in the process of trying to find a middle ground between those two things. And, you know, sh- sure by December, they might have that figured out, but here in uh, like October 10th, they don't have that figured out right now. I-, I think one of the things that I would really like to see actually is like a route combination where T Higgins and Chase are on the exact same side of the football field. I don't yeah. think we see that enough. And then I think what you do is you flood that zone, right? So you just really stress that zone if that's what you're looking at. You know, I mean, maybe you start off with with T on the other side and then, you know, you get them in motion. If you see it's if it's man, then, OK, you send them back. And if it's zone, I mean, I'm getting in the weeds here. I'm just trying to figure it out because I mean, like, again, it, it's so silly. It's just so silly. It's to the point, like you said, every team is doing this across the NFL, like you're telling me you're, you're the first team in NFL history that's had a, an absolute stud dominant, you know, transcendent talent, a wide receiver that teams have tried to stop. No, you're not, dude. You're just the latest. 
right? Like, mm -hmm. come on, there's got to be ways to get Jamar Chase involved. And if they don't, then there's got to be ways to absolutely hurt the other team. And maybe it's Tyler Boyd up the seam, you know, maybe it's Hayden yeah. Hurst up. Yeah, it's something. Um, but man, they're just not doing it right now, Zach. You saw last year, there were so many like those highlights that you saw with Jamar Chase. He's catching like a six yard slant, taking it to the house. It wasn't a, he's not getting an, like a go route to take it to the house. He's getting schemed open the way you want to see it. And last night you just saw him lobbing the ball up basically out of bounds because he was double covered. <laughs> it was nonsense. I mean, they, right. they started to get it. I think what half of his catches came in the fourth quarter when they were driving down the field where they start giving him those layup looks and yep you saw some life from the Bengals offense finally like do that don't just use him as a deep threat i think I, i've never been a zach taylor fan as a zach myself he sullies <laughs> the name but um he, he to me is like almost like that cliff kingsbury like he does what he wants and is not flexible with it like if he decides he's running the ball up the gut, like that's the uh -huh. play. You could you could load the box. He's gonna run the ball up the gut regardless. That's funny. And uh, I, yeah, I'd love to see some creativity from that. Like Jamar Chase is is that dude. So get him open. Oh, uh, he's a bad boy. Hey, listen. Um, I I would not put. <clears throat> I'm not a Zach Taylor stand or something. I just wouldn't put him in Cliff Kingsbury's. No, you know, yeah, that might be a bit harsh. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a bit harsh. That's, that's different. Harsh. I guess at least he moves uh, his wide receivers to the yeah, other yeah, side of yeah. the field sometimes. I know. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, but from a dynasty perspective, okay, so Jamar Chase, obviously, Matt, you've got him really, really high. Um, after what you've seen here from the early portion of the season, again, he has not topped 81 yards in four consecutive games. Um, your thoughts on Jamar Chase moving forward from a dynasty perspective? Yeah, I got him really, really high as in I have him, you know, wide receiver one overall. Um, <laughs> only one in tier one uh, besides Justin Jefferson is those two guys and that's it. Um, yeah, look, man, um, I know people don't want to hear this, but sometimes stuff just happens, man. And like I said, sometimes teams go through this and um, I wouldn't move Jamar Chase or even consider moving you know again this is the point of the tiers right like if you want to have yeah. justin jefferson ahead of jamar chase fine i'll fine. argue you for exactly 0, 0.0 seconds mm -hmm. and you know we'll both not waste precious earth earth seconds debating between <laughs> jamar chase and justin jefferson <laughs> we're not here for a long time we're here for a yeah. good time folks and that's not how you have a good time um basically though i i do think there are going to be times like this for players, I, I think this is I, – I hear some of Zach's criticisms about Zach Taylor. Um, I think Zach Taylor has been great about building a culture and, and building a, a program there in Cincinnati. I do think there's a lot of underlying critiques um, that you could have about the way things are schemed there in Cincinnati. Um, and, I mean, it, so it doesn't you, – you can't have a conversation about the Bengals without saying, like, Hey, they've tried to rebuild this offensive line. I'm not sure they've pulled it off here, at least in the early goings. Like it's not gone that well. Uh, but those again, if we turn around in December and this is a really good offense and Jamar Chase is putting up the numbers that you thought you were going to get when you drafted him, like I would be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So it's like sometimes it's just just chapters of the season go this way. I almost wonder if they need to fire their offensive line coach and maybe try to find a guy that is. Um you know, kind of a established dude that can really help with the O-line in terms of the coaching. That would be uh, interesting. We have yet to talk about Dynasty. I'm glad we finally got it going here uh, as we go into week number six, man. But, uh, but our podcast is running long, so we got to go. For Zach Miller, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.